Doing good. How are you doing? Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We are glad that you are here today. It's good to be here with uh, with God's people in God's house to worship our Lord, and uh, and we welcome everyone. We welcome our guests, especially today. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here, and hope that God will bless you in a very special way. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take those and fill them out for us. Uh, if you wouldn't mind doing that, just put your name and address and phone number and email address or whatever information you feel comfortable giving to us. We don't sell that information, so it just stays right here. Don't worry about that. But uh, uh, but if you wouldn't mind doing that, we would appreciate it and check the, check the uh, appropriate box on there. Uh, also, uh, just a few announcements to bring to your attention. Uh, as, as you know, uh, most every month we uh, take up a collection for the Henderson Christian Outreach, and we usually have a different thing every month or different products every month that we collect uh, for Henderson Christian Outreach. And this month, the month of January, we will be collecting toothpaste and shampoo. And so if you'd like to contribute to that, there's a basket over there on that back wall. Uh, just drop it in there each week, and we will uh, take that to the Henderson Christian Outreach uh, uh, for their ministry there. Also, we have a blood drive that's coming up on February the 8th, and if you would like to volunteer for that or if you would like to contribute blood for that, then see Jacob, and she will be glad to sign you up. Uh, and, and I remember, I will remind you, uh, as always, of our Wednesday program. We have dinner uh, this Wednesday and uh, almost every other Wednesday at uh, 545, and then we have Bible study afterwards. So we invite you to come and join us for dinner on Wednesdays and then, and then stay for our Bible study uh, afterwards as we have a good discussion about different topics of the Bible. And then choir practice. That's right. And then choir practice. I think they're offering a special, uh, a new year, it says a new year free enrollment uh, special for choir practice. So come on and join the choir. Uh, uh, we would love to have you there. And we are grateful for our, our choir, aren't we? Let's stand now and uh, greet each other in the name of the Lord. Let's, uh, let's just share the love of Christ with one another. Church. <laughs>
morning as we open our service with all hail the power of Jesus' name. pray with me. Gracious God, you have enriched and enlightened us by the revelation of yourself through your Son, Jesus Christ. Comfort us in our struggles and strengthen us to walk the path that you have laid out for us, so that by word and deed we may live and speak the good news of your love and grace. Holy Father, Father of Christ, who asked his disciples, what are you looking for, and who offered the invitation to come and see, open our hearts to what you reveal to us today, and give us the courage to follow you each day of our lives. By your Spirit, help us along in our journey so that, like John the Baptist, our words and our deeds point to the Lamb of God. For those who are suffering, let us point to Christ through comfort. For those who are hungry, let us point to Christ through food. For those who are in the grip of despair, let us point to Christ through hope. Almighty God, whose Son Jesus is the light of the world, grant that we may be illumined by your word this day. And may we also shine with the radiance of God's glory so that he may be known and worshipped and obeyed and followed to the ends of the earth. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
Jesus. right to the next holiday. I'm going to bypass, uh, you all get a day off tomorrow for what? Yeah. Well, you know what, let's skip ahead to the next one. What's the next one? I love Valentine's Day. And it's my children's moment, so I choose to go ahead to Valentine's Day, okay? All right, you guys have to come up here. You have to come up here because this is a little experiment. And let's see, who's been baptized here? You've been baptized, you've been baptized. And this is kind of like when you get baptized. Um, in this, John 3, 16, does anyone know this part yet? John 3, 16? Okay. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to show you something. For God so loved the world, you know this one, don't you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And when you look in that, if you can see it, it starts with a, a V, and all down through that verse, you spell the word what? Valentine. See it? See, there's the V, A. And if you go down through that verse, you spell the word Valentine. <laughs> it's a God thing, I'm telling you. Okay, so this is the deal. When you first start coming to church, and you don't know a whole lot about it, God, and, and that's why you come to church. You come to church to be more like God and to do godly things and to learn the spirit of God. 
of God wants us to spread his love, right? So when we first start coming to church, this is our heart. Eh, kind of boring, kind of empty, isn't it? Kind of empty. But as we come to church, we learn more and more about our church family. We learn more and more how to show our love to other people. Give me an example of showing your love to other people. Anybody? A hug? Oh, gosh. Aren't hugs good? Hugs are so good. Huh. Another example. When, when everybody in this church brings stuff for my other job, Christian Community Outreach, is that showing love? You bet, because they're giving things to other people, right? Uh, give me another example. Kind of, yeah, I know. Everybody's kind of tired this morning. All right. After you got baptized, Jamie, or Jamie, um, I'm... Oh, yes, Ryan, I know she's over there. All right, you guys, after you got baptized, did you feel any different in your heart? What was your heart full of? Joy. Joy, love. All right, well, let's pretend this is our heart after we get baptized. And that's not to say that your hearts aren't full of love already, okay? It's just a different kind of love. So we're going to fill this heart with love. And then as you become older and you continue coming to church, you learn how to do what with that love? Share it. Share it. Let's see if this works. So then you have other people around you that have maybe have empty hearts. And what does God want us to do? Spread the love. Spread the love. Let's see what happens when we spread the love. What do you think is going to happen? You know what? That that love in our heart goes all around, and it spreads the blood of Jesus all around, and it spreads the love. Okay? So that's your um, children's moment for today. Don't forget, no matter how sad you are, no matter how mad you are, no matter how much you don't want to get out of the bed on Tuesday to go back to school, just remember, if you put God's love in your heart, it makes it much easier to do everything. Okay? Anybody want to pray? You want me to pray? All right. Dear Gracious Father, we come to you this morning. Father, your son did the ultimate sacrifice for us. He put himself on the cross. He shed his blood for us, and we need to shed our blood for them, for everybody around us, especially these children, God. It takes a village to raise a child, and we need to show these children how much we love and appreciate them being here in church. God just continues to guide us to teach our children the best we can. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Have a good children's uh, church. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. Let us stand together as we sing our offertory hymn.
pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us another Sunday. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for giving us this wonderful building that we can be in and that we can worship your name. We ask, dear Heavenly Father, that you open our eyes. Open our eyes to see the needs of our church. Open our eyes to see the needs in our community and the needs in ourselves. We ask, dear Heavenly Father, that you give us the strength to meet the needs of our church. Give us the strength to meet the needs of our community and the needs in ourselves. We ask, dear Heavenly Father, that you bless our tithes and our offering. Use them for your good and for your glory. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and our Savior. Amen.
Our scripture reading from the day comes from John 1 through 29 and 34. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and declared, He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he who I am said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead, and because of he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with the water of the re- his reason, that he might be relieved to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He whom I s- you see the Spirit descending and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, and I myself have seen and have testified this is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord.
That's just fun, isn't it? <laughs> Thank you, choir. What a joyful song that is. And, and, and I was looking out here and seeing the smiles on your face. I couldn't help but smile, and, and, uh, and that, that toe was just going. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. I know you're not supposed to dance in church, but... <laughs> That's right. Might as well get, get in practice. That's right. For those of you who were here last week, you'll re- remember that uh, we, we baptized uh, Jamie and, and Ryan Gillette and Kurt and Lily Knight. And along with that, I preached on the baptism of Jesus at the hands of John the Baptist. Um, well, I read an amusing story about John recently that I just want to share with you today. It's about a Bible scholar who travels to Jerusalem every few years uh, where he enjoys walking through the streets of old Jerusalem. He says that on one of his trips, he was walking down a quiet alley when he was waved into a small shop. And within just a few minutes, he found himself with a glass of tea in his hand, sitting in the the back room of a rug merchant's stall. And the merchant assured him that he had a priceless artifact for him. He reached under a pile of carpets and brought out a small bundle which he carefully unwrapped to reveal a human skull. This, said the merchant, is the skull of John the Baptist. You may remember that John the Baptist was beheaded by by Herod. And then the merchant said that, that the skull had been lost for centuries but was recently rediscovered, and this was a treasure indeed. And then he asked his guests how much he would be willing to pay for it. Well, the visitor to Jerusalem responded by saying, I was in another shop just yesterday, and the man there wanted to sell me John's head as well. But his was bigger. And without missing a beat, the shopkeeper replied, Ah, yes, but this, this is John the Baptist's head when he was a boy. (laughs) I guess John lost his head twice. Today, we want to look at another aspect of John's encounter with uh, Jesus' encounter with John the Baptist. We need to understand that John had a tremendous impact on the people in the surrounding area around Jerusalem. People literally flocked out to the wilderness to hear John preach and to be baptized by him. Now, John was was kind of an eccentric. He was a he was a weird guy, but. Uh, he was dressed in, in crude garments, and he, and he survived in the wilderness on a diet of, of locusts and wild honey, not really appetizing. And he devoted himself to warning his generation of the wrath that is yet to come. But I'm sure that that was a part of what made him so popular. He was so completely different from the other religious leaders of his day. The temple priests in Jerusalem who who dressed in their fine linen clothes and demanded the respect from the common person. He was so different, so completely different from the Pharisees who prided themselves on their intellectual and moral prowess and, and, and looked down their noses at those whom they considered to be less than themselves. I guess you could say that John was not an establishment type of figure. And thus his call for a different way of living caused a great deal of fascination. 
And so according to John's gospel, when John, uh, when John the Baptist saw Jesus approaching him to be baptized by him, John uttered these words to his disciples. He saw Jesus coming and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, this kind of proclamation, even before Jesus had begun his ministry, is unique to the Gospel of John. To this point, Jesus had performed no miracles. He had called no disciples. He had raised no one from the dead. He had healed no one from some dreaded disease. He was still so fresh from the carpenter's shop that he still had sawdust in the hem of his, of his cloak. He had made no enemies. He had issued no controversial statements. He had ruffled no royal feathers. And so any comparison to the Paschal Lamb Sacrifice for the sins of the people is certainly premature here. It would be some time before Jesus would be warning his disciples that he would have to suffer and die. And yet here we find an allusion to that suffering even in the very first chapter of John's Gospel. Now John's Gospel is different from all the other Gospels. In fact, All the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called synoptic Gospels. And that that word synoptic comes from the Greek scene, which means uh, uh, with or together, and the word optic, which means to see, you know. Uh, and, And thus these Gospels are seen together. They are alike. They are similar to one another, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But in contrast to the synoptic Gospels, the Gospel of John was more interested in writing theology than history. He wanted us to know not only uh, that Jesus came into the world, but also what that means theologically for us. And he does this by using some of the most beautiful imagery in the Bible. And beginning right here in the very first chapter, he uses beautiful imagery. The Word became flesh, he says. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. But probably the image that carries the greatest power is this one. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When John asks us to behold the Lamb of God, we have a prefiguring of that dramatic scene in the book of Revelation when a multitude of angels and and elders bent down, bowed down before the only one who is worthy to, to open the seals of the great scroll. And together all of the angels and the elders sing, Worthy is the Lamb to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing." What we have in that simple statement is a stunning portrayal of the majesty of Christ. And folks, you and I desperately need to appreciate and understand that majesty of Christ in our own lives. You know, we live in a world in which nothing seems to be holy. There's not much that's holy out there. And in a world like this, we desperately need to know 
about the one whose very essence was holiness. Do you remember that story in Matthew 14 when Simon Peter tries to imitate Jesus by by walking on the water? You know, you remember Jesus was walking across the water towards towards the disciples who were in the boat and Peter sees him and recognizes him and he jumps out of the boat and tries to walk on the water like Jesus was. He, he walks out on the water to come to Jesus, but he makes a mistake. He took his eyes off of Jesus and he began looking around at the waves that were breaking all around him. And as a consequence, he, began, he became frightened and he started to sink. Well, that can happen to any, to any of us, can't it? If we keep our gaze fixed upon our problems and our frustrations and our limitations and our poverty, poverty of wealth or other resources, then we will never make any headway in coping with life. You see, it's a matter of focus. You and I have within ourselves the resources for achieving amazing things if we don't allow our problems to overwhelm us. You may know the story of the young Hungarian athlete, Karoli Takaks. In the 1948 Summer Olympics in London, he won a gold medal with his ability to shoot a pistol. A pistol. His right hand and eye coordination were, were so perfect that he simply couldn't miss the target. He couldn't miss the, the bullseye. But then something terrible happened to him. You see, six months after those Olympics, this young man lost the use of his right arm in a training accident. And, and such a tragedy like that, that would have overwhelmed most of us. Most of us would have just given up. But not this young man. Four years later, at the Helsinki Olympics, he was back. And guess what? He did it again. Another gold medal, but this time he was shooting with his left hand. Now, how much time and effort do you think it took for him to master that skill all over again? You know, it's one thing to do it with your dominant hand and, and, and the one that you feel most comfortable with, but then you lose that and you have to do it and train yourself all over. And to do that with such perfection took a lot of dedication. And the point is that we have within us the ability to turn our tragedies into triumphs. But one of the keys to doing that is to have a God that's big enough to handle those problems and to keep our attention focused upon that God rather than on our problems. That's a lesson that Peter learned the hard way when he tried to walk on the water. Behold, the Lamb of God, says John. And we need to do just that. We need to look beyond our difficulties in life to the, the one who can help us make it through those difficulties. We need to behold the majesty of Jesus. But there's more. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We need to ponder the majesty of the Lamb. And here in this part of the verse, we are challenged to consider also His mercy. The majestic, this majestic Christ humbled Himself and became obedient 
unto death, even death on a cross. And he did that so that you and I can be redeemed from the power of sin. That's mercy. That's what mercy is all about. Someone has said that in creation God shows us God's hand, but on the cross God gives us God's heart. My friends, there's something about the cross that has changed the world forever. And I know there's a lot of theology out there that talks about Jesus having to die on the cross in order to satisfy an angry God, but I don't think that's what happened there on the cross. It's not that the cross changed God in it. In fact, the cross came about precisely because God so loved the world. And so I wonder if maybe it was that that overwhelming outpouring of love that was expressed on that cross. Maybe that's what made such a huge difference in the world. I heard a a story about a young soldier who was utterly humiliated by his senior officer. And the officer had gone way beyond the, the bounds of acceptable behavior in disciplining this young soldier. And he knew it. And so he didn't say anything when the young soldier gritted his teeth and said, I'll make you regret this if it's the last thing I do. And then a few days after that, their company was under heavy fire. The officer was wounded and separated from his troops. And through the haze of the battlefield, he saw a figure coming to rescue him. And it was that same young soldier whom he had treated with with such disrespect and so badly. And at the risk of his own life, that soldier dragged that officer off to safety. And the officer said apologetically, son, I owe my life to you. And the young man laughed. And he said, I told you I I would make you regret humiliating me if it was the last thing I did. Well, that's the kind of, that's God's kind of revenge, isn't it? That's God's kind of revenge. The kind that saves us in spite of ourselves. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Something happened on that cross that bridged the gap between a holy God and an unholy people. And so we see Christ in all of His majesty and we, we also see Him in all of His mercy. In a cathedral in Copenhagen, there's a a beautiful statue of Jesus by Bertelde Thorvaldsen. And contrary to popular belief, sculptors don't just attack a piece of marble to create their works of art. There's a lot of planning that goes into the process of creating a sculpture. And most most, uh, sculptors will first create a clay model. usually the same size or close to the same size as the piece that they will complete in in marble. And so Thorvaldsen made a clay model of his figure of Christ, and he gazed upon it with great satisfaction. He he loved it. He thought this was was his his greatest work. And it was a model of Christ with his face looking upward and his arms extended upward towards heaven. It was a statue of a majestic, conquering Jesus. But later that night, after the sculptor had left his work to to dry and to harden, something unexpected happened. 
See, a great mist rolled in from the sea, seeped into his studio, and the clay did not harden as it was anticipated. In fact, those upraised arms and the head of Jesus drooped. It began to droop. And that majestic Christ, with his arms lifted up and his head thrown back, was transformed into a Christ with his head bent forward and his arms stretched downward as if in a pose of gentle invitation. At first, Thorvaldson was disappointed. But as he studied that piece, he began to see a dimension of Christ that he had not seen before. It was the Christ who is a gentle, merciful Savior. And so that was the Christ that Thorvaldson used to complete his work in marble. He inscribed on the base of the statue, Homer Til Meet, come to me. And that portrait of the Lamb of God in, in his mercy has inspired millions of people through the years. There's one more, one more thing to be said this morning. You see, we've, we've considered Christ's majesty and his mercy. And now we need to consider the meaning of his ministry for our own lives. Notice that John says, Behold the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. He does not say the sins of the church. He does not say the sins of middle-class Americans. He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Folks, there is enough saving power in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the entire world. If only the world knew it. If only our next door neighbor knew it. My friends, the world needs to know. Our friends need to know. Our neighbors need to know that they have won something far bigger than the Powerball. They need to know that their name has already been selected to receive the greatest prize ever awarded. The eternal victory over sin and death. And all they have to do is to claim it. An eternal love relationship with God through Jesus Christ is theirs and ours. Simply for the asking. So what does that mean for us? Well, we are the ones who God has called on to tell the story. If we truly follow in Jesus' footsteps, we are not sent out to condemn the world, as we are told in, in John three seventeen. But we are sent that we might tell the world about the great love that was poured out on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We are to tell that story and what that means to you and to me. We are the ones who are called to help others to look beyond the enormity of their problems. Everybody, everybody has problems, folks. Everybody. Everybody. 
But we are the ones to help people to see beyond the hugeness of their problems to the one who is big enough to overcome their problems. We are to finish the work that Jesus began over 2,000 years ago. The work of, of reconciling the world unto God. That's our task as Christians. Sounds kind of daunting, doesn't it? Sounds really, really hard. But listen to this. The story is told that Leonardo da Vinci began a work on canvas in his studio. He chose the subject. He sketched an outline. He, he shaded here. He lightened here. And, and, and then about halfway through his work, he stopped his, his sketching and turned to one of his students and said, I want you to finish this. Well, the student felt unworthy to do that. He protested. He said, surely I am not worthy of such an honor as that. But da Vinci assured him and said, will my example not inspire you to do your very best? He said. And he said, and besides, I'm right here beside you if you need any help. You know, that's basically what Christ is saying to us. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. See Him in His majesty. See Him in His mercy. See Him in His ministry to the world. A ministry that, that He calls for you and to me and me to complete. See Him. Behold the Lamb of God. May His example inspire us and may His presence empower us to tell the world what Christ has done for us until everyone knows that the victory has already been won. Behold the Lamb of God. Amen. Let's sing about the Lamb of God. Let's sing in proclaiming that we are following this Lamb of God, proclaiming that we are uh, taking John's advice by beholding the Lamb of God and recognizing this Lamb, Jesus Christ, as our Savior and as our Lord, and by recognizing our desire to walk closer with Him throughout our lives. Just a closer walk with Thee. Let us sing together.
gathered to worship you and to celebrate the fact that through your son Jesus, you revealed yourself to us. And you did this to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Thank you. We thank you that you are the one in whom we put our trust. You are the one who hears our cry, who lifts us up and places our feet on a firm foundation. Continue to challenge us, O God, as we accept the revelation of yourself through Jesus. Empower us through your Holy Spirit to daily give witness of our relationship with you. And encourage us in our knowledge that you have called us to be your children. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray.
Feel.